So uh, in Matthew 6, I want to just take three, five minutes and then allow us to have some small group ministry. It's so vibrant. Uh, Ali, thank you for leading us that way because the way you led us, I don't know where you are, but I'm looking to you somewhere. There you are, looking right over you. You know, it, it's just when we learn, I, when we take, get, are given permission and take, and take the, out, the door of opportunity and step in, the Lord's capacity to communicate himself by the Spirit of God, with the Word of God, and with the visions of God, and with the t- touch of the Spirit, is so, is so f- beyond our processing c- capability. So I really love the way you've led us to give away, to lay down, to give back to him. It's all from him. And then to begin to let him fill us again. Did anybody else enjoy that? That was very good. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Matthew uh, 6, I, I really do, and I, I agree with uh, Dylan and Karen. Please pray. It's so funny that prayer is what precedes prayer. and We need to pray before we pray, and we prepare ourselves to be one and to come together, and I believe in all the humility that we can find. And humility, again, isn't making yourself awful. In all the biblical sense, true humility is just what we did. We bow the knee. We come under someone greater. And in the case of our life as a believer, we say, Jesus Christ, you are my supremacy. You are my all-sufficiency. The way God did it for me, once he did this, he undid a lot of striving. He said, humility is my complete dependency upon Christ's grace, mercy, help, deliverance, whatever it is. So I'm utterly dependent upon you. So I come before the king and I bow my knee. From that posture, I'm received. I'm seen. And God begins to bring his purposes through us. So however you can do that, it's, it's not a scary thing. I've learned to, I love humbling myself. I try to do it every day in every way I can find a place to do it. And if I don't do it enough, he finds ways to humble me. Humiliation is one of the greatest forms of humility because once you're humiliated, you're humbled, at least for the moment. And then whenever I'm in that moment, I go, okay, now I want the grace that comes with the humility. <laughs> All right, Matthew 6. Uh, Jesus, without enlarging, every time I read this, first off, this is the, this is the, the heart of the king. And from the heart of the king, the kingdom is established. This is who God is. This is not who God's telling us we must be in order to fit inside his kingdom of rule. This is who God is. And so when I come to things that are way beyond my ability, and God knows I've tried to be, tried to practice every part of this at one time or another for some length of time, and I've always failed when I'm trying to do it as though I was being told this is who I must be. But whenever I begin with this is who you are, then um, we're going to start at chapter uh, 5, please, in verse 1. Then I I find it's unlimited because I first begin by, you know how it says love your enemies, do good to the, you know, do, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who spitefully use you, bless those who curse you. Uh, one day it dawned on me that that's who you are. You're the only one that started with love for your enemies and therefore gave your only begotten son. 
You are the one that does good to those who hate you. You put the rain on the good and the evil, the thankful and the unthankful. You are the one that can uh, intercede and, and for those who are abusing you. When they curse you, you're the only one that's large enough. You're the greatest authority, therefore everyone is cursing you. Your name is cursed above all names on the earth because yet you are the one that can do so. You know what it says? If you slap, if you're, you're slapped on the cheek, then turn the other side. And I started meditating on that. Lord, that's what you do. You take that kind of abuse. You long suffer the, the violence of man because you look for the door that man will come to the, to the place of revelation and insight. So Jesus also is doing another thing. He's taking the kingdom from an external set of rules to an internal uh, responsive heart. Everything is from the heart in the kingdom. That's why Jesus has said, I don't judge according to appearance, I judge according to heart. And he starts to call for a heart that is like we talked about, is not necessarily going to be applauded by the world, but will be valued and, and honored in the kingdom. So it says, uh, he opened his mouth, verse 3, he starts talking about those, the blessings, the beatitudes, the, the blessed attitudes. And it's, we're blessed when we're poor in our spirit because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Our need opens his great provision. Blessed when we mourn, for we will be comforted. In Luke's gospel, he, re, he enlarges some of that and says, and the, you know, and those of you who have been comforted, you will mourn. So a lot of times the struggle with serving our king in his kingdom is it's upside down as far as the way the world is and the way the world values and so I love these words. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. doesn't mean that the weak. It just means the meek. Meek is to have authority, sub, uh, strength submitted to authority, under authority. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. So he continues just calling us further and further, pure in heart, for we will see God. Now, those... I, I don't know, it's not the word constitution because the kingdom doesn't have a constitution like we have that was formatted by representatives and so forth. It, was, it is the order of the kingdom and it is the criteria and I will be judged by this. So it's kind of sobering and the fear of God gets a hold of me when I think, well, I can't do that, but that will be the standard by which I'm judged. So how am I going to in the world ever come up to that kind of living except to accept Jesus Christ is living in me? And I want his ability. And I will try to be a peacemaker. I've had many times I've been called to be a peacemaker. And the hope that would come to me is that I was called a son of God. Sometimes I was successful. Many times I was not. Uh, Blessed are you who persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom. The Bible says that the world's going to hate us. Because it hated him. The world hated Jesus because he testified their deeds were evil. So the, the, con, the, the separation is present and will increase. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. This one's really hard. For great is your reward in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So when everybody is, you know, speaking well of us, we all get a satisfaction in that. But when we're persecuted, reviled, there's a real 
you know, it's going at our identity. And he said, no, you're supposed to rejoice. You have a better, better place in heaven, a better reward. And if you um, are the salt, but the salt loses its flavor, what's, what good is it? It's thrown in, uh, trampled underfoot. That's why we do pray. That's why we do read our Bible. That's why we do submit ourselves to a standard far greater than ourselves. You know, the word was made flesh. This Bible became a man. And following him, we begin to continue to revive and make alive our soul. Or a light, that on the, a light where the light of the world, a city that on the hill cannot be hidden, and a light of the lamp is not put under a basket. So let your light so shine that they behold your good works and they may glorify the Father in heaven. So he's called us to a higher, higher form of living. And that a Christ-like way. He, Jesus was this. This was not put on us that Jesus did not exemplify and Jesus did not do so as God the Son with all the benefits of glory. He did this as the Son of Man in total submission to the Word and the Father. So then he goes on, don't think I came to destroy the law of the prophets. I came to fulfill them. And we have to rejoice that Jesus has fulfilled the law and the prophets. We have to allow him to now be the supremacy. Otherwise, we go backwards and think, oh, I've got to keep the Old Testament and the New Testament, all of it functioning. I've got to do all that I was told, and, but now I've got to also accept Jesus as, as the fulfillment. No, he's done something so wonderful, so wonderful. Uh, I want to go on and says, you've heard it was said. Can you go about a verse ahead of me? A couple, I can't see them right here. You heard it was said. Who, um, keep going verse 19 verse 20 you've heard that it was said of those of old you shall not murder and I'm going to close up with this not just this word but this is an example because there's a lot of contrasting it's kind of like reading the book of Proverbs now you, you get contrasts so that you can say, well, this is what maybe this is the standard, but this is really where we are. This is benefiting that way, this going that way. You said, you heard of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. Well, that's present today. But I say to you, whoever is angry without a, with his brother without a cause. Now, without a cause is an old King James phrase that was not found in some more ancient landmark manuscripts. So, uh, it's in a lot of the older manuscripts it would simply say but I say to you whoever is angry with his brother shall be in danger of judgment and you say well how could how could God be so strong well John says it later in the epistle he says if if um, if we hate our brother we're a murderer so what he's doing is what originates in the heart will find its way in the outward and God's dealing with it in the in the seat of the heart where we're to deal with it and he goes on you can call if you're a friend your brother Araka or you can say to someone you're a fool and then you, there's hell's fire therefore and he talks about now this responsibility how do I reconcile if I bring a gift to the altar remember I have my brother something against me leave my gift go find my brother reconcile so there's a lot of personal responsibility to, to bring heart issues forward. And uh, can you go to verse 26 or 25? Let me see both of those, please. Um, agree quickly with your adversary. Unless you see, and because of this heart issue, now he's telling us, respond in these circumstances from the heart and try to bring the reconciliation. And then verse 27, please. 
and then I'm going to close with this one because this, this, is, this is really current life living. You've heard it was said of those of old, you shall not commit adultery. Okay, and Jesus even was brought to the woman who was caught in adultery, the very act, trying to catch him to bring to the judgment of Moses on that. But I say to you, see, Jesus, was, she's totally raising this, the bar. I say to you, whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has committed adultery with her in the heart. Now, if you just include that, which is pornography, and everything else beyond that, whether it's just going for, that's multiple adultery. And in the heart. And why the heart is the issue, because out of the heart proceeds all the issues of life. Out of the heart is where we, we are known by, and our mouth will, will, will tell on us very shortly. So he's really pressing in. And I, I'll be honest, I used to read the book, Matt, you know, the Sermon on the Mount, I go, you know, I don't, I just get, I don't get this. I don't, I'm just going to kind of clip on it move over to something I, I enjoy. But I, since now reading through the Bible, I'm submitting to all of the Bible, acknowledging all of it is fulfilled in Christ and can only be experienced in my life in Jesus. So I, I go to him, I go, wow, Father, I really want to have an eyes for you only. And I want to bring my heart so that you're the intimacy that I long for and nothing else. And I want to recognize that there's this, this invasion into the earth of lust and, and, and all the fornication that it wants to exude. And in God's kingdom, adultery is idolatry as far as God's concerned. When we go, I commit ourselves into a work of another, our hands or... And we go in to say that this is what's saving me. God says, you're turning from my, you're, you're, you're breaking covenant with my, our marriage. So it's, Jesus is really just going in. And I often think to myself, what if I, what if that was my focus? And I'm trying to let it be. How do I live before you so that I can pray to you in a fashion that you will hear and bring about not just a greater grace in my life, but salvation to the earth. Uh, he goes on and he deals with severity. That's why he goes, if your right eye is causing you to sin, pluck it out. He's not trying to call us into literal maiming of our bodies, but he's trying to say that if there's a part of your life that's functioning, that's a part of your life, you got to get rid of it, cut it off. And that isn't, uh, don't be nice about it, just deal with it. So he's just... I don't know. That's the standard we're being judged by. And that's the reason I'm not really concerned about how bad the world is. I really feel like, God, if, if we can become a people submitted to your truth, accepting what you're saying, maybe we're not there, but we can acknowledge that's where we are to be, and we can ask God for deliverance, and then begin to live toward that. See, again, if you want to break off any habitual shortcoming and failure in your life. You don't do it by concentrating on not doing it. You, you concentrate on the one who has fulfilled all of that, on his punishment, on his victory, on his triumph, on his ability. The standard has to stay. The standards never change from Old Testament to New Testament. 
And God will deal with this on this level of judgment. But I don't try to use the law, that is a law, to make myself live to this standard. I rise up and I begin to give him the praise. And frankly, it quite humbles me. Because I go, God, I really do want to be pure in heart so that I can see you. I don't want to have mixture. And I don't want... So this just continues by chapter 7, 5, 6, and 7. He will say that there'll come a day at the last days. He'll say, the door will shut. And he'll say, I don't know you. And they'll say, well, of course you know me. I did all these miracles. I used your name. I prophesied. I cast out demons. He said, no, I never knew you. You practice, have never submitted to me. To be known by the Lord is not an, at times the easiest thing because he presses in. He, he, he penetrates. and He's after the heart. And he wants me to see my heart. I can encase my heart in religious exercises. I can make myself look beautiful. I can even convince myself I'm perfect. But if I let him in and, and that he penetrates, then I've learned, oh, this is the best thing in the moment because now I can admit it. All I have to do is confess the thing that he's showing me so that he can cleanse me and bring me into the place he's holding. And he's holding a place for us. He's holding a place where we get to live in an abundance fellowship, where joy is, is his, where peace is his, where we're not looking for other places of satisfaction because he's becoming everything. He's our satisfaction. So when it comes time to get out of something that, that this is speaking to me and convicting me of, I turn my attention back to Jesus off of the thing I begin to set my mind on the thing that God has given me in Christ and not on the thing that's trying to pull me down and destroy me. And after I begin to praise him, I call on his name. As many as call on his name will be saved. And then whenever I am in the struggling, I just shift. First the thoughts. Then I begin to praise him for who he is, what he's done. Then I let his emotions begin to flood me. And before you know it, the Spirit of God begins to lift me up. And what was a, a tremendous pressure or even uh, a, a cause for stumbling, just breaks apart. Because it has no power. All been paid for. All sins have been resolved in Christ. But it doesn't mean sin isn't present in the body of Christ because of our flesh and our soulish living. So this journey out of the flesh and soul and into a, wow, you have done something. But I'm, I'm, I'm confident that you've done it, not me. That's why Paul said, take heed who think you stand lest you fall because we stand because Jesus stands. Does that make sense? The whole thing just gets bigger and better and more wonderful. But uh, what I learned is don't avoid this. Don't try to do it within your own strength. Don't diminish it. Let the fear of God be resting. Then I cry out and recognize Jesus's victory. Behold him. Take your mind off of the, what you, what what you're trying to not do and turn your affections onto the one you want to pursue. And then let him begin to bring some strong disciplines that you just go, okay, I don't speak evil of people. Okay, I don't look at a woman to lust with my heart. If I find that's happening, I switch. I don't look for a man to lust after my heart. Whoever you are, wherever you are, I don't, I don't continue on. Once I see it, I turn from it and turn to him. Then I praise him. Then I worship him. And then I engage with him. And you'll notice that the power of sin is so dismal 
when you're walking inside of the beauty of glory and the fulfillment of Jesus Christ. He's beautiful. So that's why he moved it from an external measurement. Because if we can make things about measurements, we people know how to fudge. We know how to get around the rules. We know how to break, you know. And, but if it's a heart issue, and that's why when, close with this. Sorry about that. I got into preaching. But when the, the men dragged the woman caught in adultery, which is stupid. You know, where was the man? But in any case, we'll get up and put that aside. He then had, the only way he could get out of that, from what they, that law and religious spirit and wicked issue was after him, he had to say, whoever is without sin, let him cast the first stone. Then it says, beginning with the oldest, their conscience began to convict them. And what once seemed like, well, I can throw a stone at her because she just was doing a wicked thing. Now, I can't because maybe I wasn't there yesterday, but, you know, you're, that's how we disengage war, religious wars, because you don't want to, ex, you don't want to base that on my own righteousness. So, Take a moment. We're carrying things that we want God's help in, grace to come. We, the questions you might have on what was, what was happening in the Sermon on the Mount, where was Jesus? Let's take about five minutes and we'll then release a blessing for the evening to go on. So if we can break up in groups of two, three, four people and take the time so we can share love, pray one with another, and I'll spend the time with you guys online. Okay. All right, I'm going to just share with you online, uh, waiting for everybody to find their place. When, when Jesus, um, I've been listening to Sermon Amount a few times over and over to these last few days. I just, when I get in a conversation, it's being recorded and I have a chance just to listen to it. It's, it's, so, it's so much more liberating than trying to find a conscience decision to do the right thing I kind of just saturate myself in the in the sound and then the sound begins to kind of become a fresh standard and a fresh direction and a fresh experience it's I uh, just can't tell you how powerful the word is by itself the word carries all kinds of incredible powerful means of transformation so I encourage you uh, wherever we are in scripture and our reading and whenever the Lord begins to meet you, just go through it a few times. If we drive and we have a audio that we can plug our phone into and bring us the Bible, do it. Uh, it's and move around some versions and find it because the Sermon on the Mount is just amazing. He goes on when he's talking about God seeing in secret, and are you, if I see in secret. That's where you, the God who sees in secret will reward us openly if we do what we're doing is unto the Lord, not to men. And to be seen by men. We want to be seen by God. It, it just brings an honesty, like a, like a holy honesty. And I found that when I'm honest and I'm meek, humble, that God will do amazing things that I can't do for myself. An honest heart never goes unrewarded. 
So there's just this call to prayer, ask, seek, knock, and don't do long prayers to be heard, Lord's prayers included. Call to forgiveness. Wait about there. After the Lord's prayer, he says, if you forgive the sins of any, they will be forgiven you. If you do not, neither will your Father forgive your sins. Wow. That's a sobering thought, isn't it? I used to pray because I, you know, I had a judgmental spirit on me, critical. I used to have to pray, Lord, I'd like you to pray, forgive me today the way I forgive my enemies, the way I've forgiven those who have sinned against me. Please forgive me in the same measure. Now, I didn't really want that, but I needed a way to kind of, again, you know, God, Jesus is confronting our our humanity that just twisted in its multiple ways of, you know, making ourselves good, even though we're not good, but we're better than most, so it's okay. And I didn't really mean anything by what happened, and I really wasn't trying to do that, so it really wasn't my fault. And just on to those, you have to get brutally uh, honest at those places. So I would say, God, forgi forgiveness. I, I ask you today to forgive me the way I forgive those who've sinned against me. And it would check me then as a fence came and people betrayed came or I heard those someone spoken evil of me and rather than trying to hope for them to have evil come against them or call for their judgments or confront them I started finding more and more ways to release and that is a forever journey I don't think forgiveness will ever not be a part of our life we will always be known as the forgiven and we will be always releasing that which is behind to reach forward to that which is ahead. I'm not sure that we'll keep a record of things after we've come into the next millennium or into the greater greater heaven. I don't. We will not be operating in the conflicts that we're in with the devil and the flesh and the world pressing against us in all these ways. But I tell you, forgiveness is a cool thing. It is... It is the same as giving. It's just choosing to be a giver on what was taken versus a demanding of justice to the one who took it. It's, it's a liberating practice. So he's in this sermon, and he's speaking the principles of the kingdom. The, the, and I believe he was set, raising a bar that was to be in which we would, by being born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, calling upon Jesus, spending time in his presence, letting his word be our standard, and, and letting uh, the encounters be the, the ability to change and transform and live in a new place. He was just going to keep doing it and doing it until some of those things would just start falling off. Some of the old practices just fall off. Learn one thing about God is that if I find myself having slipped, fallen, transgressed in any way, my flesh, my mind, my soul, all I do is call upon the name of the Lord and return to Jesus and let go of whatever just happened and keep going back toward the future that I've chosen. Jesus Christ, because he's faithful and just to forgive us if we confess our sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So immediately I'm restored. I don't blame others. I don't accuse others. I try not to say, well, the reason I'm here is because of this or because of that. I got, we can do that. But it will only just delay the problem because God's solution for all of us is his son. And his son remitted all of the sins that we might 
come into carry that have been done against us and he's removed all of its power and its ability so that we can live in an incredibly free life free from the consciousness of sin free from the debt that it's incurred free from the sense that um, it's I can't approach God with with this, you know acceptance I'm only accepted in the beloved so if I become aware of, of transgression that's not going to stop me from coming to God it's just acknowledge that and accept Jesus Christ as my sacrifice of sufficiency and his resurrection my atonement and then come and having taken the time to take Jesus as the means for my new approach or reapproach or return makes the, what Jesus did become effectual in my life and all of a sudden you, you try it try the blood of Jesus that I'm here today by the boldness of your blood gives me no other reason I'm coming in the boldness of the blood and I'm coming through the veil of your flesh but you open the door new and living way and I'm coming with you over my the, over the house of God and I'm a part of the house because I have been given a place in the house of God and I'm coming up to the throne of grace to the very place where father sits and I'm coming and I'm coming with all the boldness that you could imagine I'm going to be accepted Oh, I'm not thinking that I've lived up to the, uh, at the level of standard that I should be accepted. But I'm living inside of Jesus Christ. I'm attributing all to Christ. And I'm choosing him in everything. You do that over and over and over again. You will see that God will start demonstrating to you by the Spirit, in the Word, in your spirit, in the heart, in our minds, in the renewing. And that's when we begin to be transformed. We have encounters and experiences that just literally begin to like open a road, block, road, road map toward the future of who we've been given and who we are in Christ. So stay there. Don't disengage. Your future is brilliant because it's in Jesus Christ. So I'm going to bless you and all of us as just a moment and let you go. We'll see you Sunday. Don't let Sunday pass. Okay, I just want to release a blessing for those and you can keep your praying in groups going, but Lord, we thank you. We thank you that we're not a people. We don't want to be a people to run away from who you are because you're so glorious. You are everything you call us to be. You are the king of a kingdom. And that kingdom isn't just something that's external. It's inside us. So we ask for the kingdom of God, the righteousness, peace, and joy to break forth in fresh anointing in all of our lives. And that what was once impossible or would never be even a thought that could be, would soon become simple and delightful as we walk in fellowship with you and walk in the light as you're in the light. We, we receive the, ble the blessing of this kingdom that has been given us in the Holy Spirit, righteousness, peace, and joy, that is not seen with outward appearance, but it is within us. And we say, rise up, O King. Rise up and take your place and set us in that fellowship with you and union and oneness, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Continue. God bless.